Welcome to the School of Travel's podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Welcome to episode 74 of the School of Travel's podcast. Listeners, as you've already noticed, there is no introduction today. This is a very special episode that I've actually been wanting to bring you since I started the podcast back in 2018. We're going to focus today on trekking to Everest Base Camp in Nepal and also other treks you can go on in Nepal with my guide that I met back in 2015 when I did my trek to Everest Base Camp, Hari Bohara. Hari, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Hari. And listeners, I also want to tell you, Hari and I are recording this live and we're in a very windy location at the moment. So if you hear any wind in the background during our interview, I want you to just imagine you are in a tea house on the trek in Nepal and it's a windy night. So let's imagine that. All right, Hari. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Hari Bohara. That's what everyone know me uh, in Nepal or like the people who visited to me. Or my real name is Puminanda Bohara. That's on my national ID or in my passport. Or like, you know, that's the real name of me. But everybody know me as Hari. So I prefer like everyone call me as Hari. And it's easy. And, you know, yeah. So, so I just born in quite remote areas, but it's not that far from the capital city of Kathmandu, like capital city of Nepal called Kathmandu. It's like kind of like 100 kilometers away to towards east of Kathmandu, where I burn, and it's kind of like a hilly region. Okay, so I, I want to say that like I met you, uh, I had always heard about trekking in Nepal, right. and I honestly didn't know what trekking was. I, I realized later it basically just means hiking, but there are so many different hikes you can do in Nepal, and I actually ended up going because a friend of mine had done it, and he didn't end up being able to join me, but he gave me his diary day by day that he had kept a year before when he did his own trek to Everest Base Camp. And his diary inspired me so much that I thought, I really want to do that. I really want to go. And I found myself with two weeks free in 2015. And I just booked, I was alone at that point. I just found a company on the internet that was doing these treks. And I was placed with you as my guide. And there were two other people from Australia. Shout out to Trista and Chris. Right. who were a couple. Uh, they'd been together for 10 years. He he was a paramedic and she was an emergency dispatcher in Australia. And I remember feeling, oh, well, I'm very safe with these people. I feel like I'm lucky with what jobs they have if anything goes wrong. And also that we were placed with you. So you were working for a company at the time. But can I ask you, how did you become a guide in Nepal? Yeah, that's quite interesting for me as well. Like when I grew up in a villages, uh, there's a few uh, like tourists, like foreigners, not much, because it's not a touristic place. So those people who work as a as in a tourism, sometimes they take their clients to see our villages. So 
some of my father's friends, like his mates, has doing some tourism business, like hotels, travels in Kathmandu. So uh, my father was working in a post office, like uh, in a postman in a post office in the villages. And when he get like a holidays or something, he come to Kathmandu. Like he just want to come to visit capital city of Nepal, Kathmandu. So... So when he come to Kathmandu, he always go with his friends from the village who own, who run the business in the tourism. So, so that's how like my father get in, involved working in a tourism for a few times, not like the whole time, but yeah, somehow like he was know, doing it part time, right? Every it's now like kind then. of like part time. It was like kind of like working on the holidays. So he did some tricks due to his friends, so he can just visit and then he can make some money or something, which is, like, helpful for uh, families. So he found a Dutch couple. Uh-huh, a Dutch couple. Dutch couple who used to go to Nepal so many times, and even they visited a few times to our villages. Once they met my dad, like, working with them, they visited our villages, and then they're, like, very familiar with us and they help us for you know for our education and even when I passed the high school and back to Kathmandu the first I met that does couple before I joined a university and then I get chance to go to trek with them is like it motivated me to be a guide or like a tourism worker rather than to get a university but it's still like they're gonna help me to do that, like, but, but when I was in a school, because my skill, like, my English was not that good because I just studied in a local government-owned school in a villages. So they found that I'm, I'm poor in English. Uh, my English was not that good. And then they helped me. They paid me for my English class, like, English training class, or like, computer basic computer course. And then when I was with them in the mountains, I enjoy a lot. I seeing a people like guiding tourists in the Himalayas. I was like so inspired that I was like, oh, I want to be a tourist guide or like, you know, just involved in a tourist business. So they and had that- been on a trek. They were going on a trek somewhere in Nepal and they invited you yeah. at that time to go on your first trek. Yes. Okay. That's how I got into the mountain. And I already born in like, close to the mountain, it's like a hill, so I just get, like, good sceneries, like, the, the mountain and the greeneries, hills and everything, but it's still, I was like, wow, this is such a different, like, when you travel with foreigners, and they're, like, you know, they're enjoying so much, and it's still, like, you know, I, I just born in that sceneries, but it feel, like, different. Yeah, you had always grown up seeing the same scenery around yeah. the village, but yeah. then you went to a different part of Nepal yeah. to see the high mountain. Yeah, region. so, and then I was, like, telling, like, the, my plans, but they want to make me something different. Like, they want me, like, kind of, like, engineer or some other things. Your my parents? Religion? No, like, the Dutch couple. Oh, the Dutch couple, okay. Yeah, but, and then, like, they asked me to choose, like, what to study, like, you know, those things, but I feel, like, quite hard because our school based on like very normal it's not like like my english was not good you know those and things so you I were feel in like your local village school. local village school okay so i feel like well, maybe i cannot do that because you know it's it's not easy so so it sounds like uh better to take accounting 
something. In Kathmandu? Yeah, in Kathmandu. Did they want you to go to university there? Okay. Yeah, so so, so like maybe I just do like business, like accounting course in universities. But my mental thinking was like, oh, I want to be a trekking guide. Already. I want to work in a a a mountain with those people so I can meet people around the world and listen their like stories where they are from you know share the things it's like oh okay but the things is like yeah i I joined the university doing like a business accounting business courses and i still want to do uh some tracks in between when i get holidays or something Mm -hmm. but as my english i have to go as a porter's and I go with a few companies that I know that my father owned, like my father's friends own the travel companies or something. It was hard because I was like, you know, just how, how 18, old? 18 years old. Can you explain for a moment what is a porter? Because someone who's never been on this kind of track. Or yeah, hike, the porter means just you have to carry the trekking gears for those people who are traveling to the mountain. Okay, so you're not a guide, you're not in charge. Yeah, just because behind. I've never been in a mountain and I never know, like, I don't speak good English, so I have to communicate well with them. Right. I have to explain about, you know, the things around or, like, the culture, or the, you know, the mountains, all the things. So, so, uh, so everyone is, like, starting from the porters. Now they how- know the trail and then they understand the things and, you know, everything. And we have to train to be a guide and at least you have to experience like two years as a porter so you at least know the trail and then your language is better so, so i will explain to people too when you go on a trek in nepal and you hire a guide you actually don't have to hire a guide but we're going to talk about that later why you should or why you would oh yeah yeah but mm-hmm. um when you go and you have your guide how many porters would you have with you uh, would you have one porter per person or mm, normally we can do like one person, one porter for two people because these days the tea house is way better than what people expected. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, the food meal, like, you know, people even like, they don't ever ex- expect like the Western food or something when they go to the mountain. People think like, oh, maybe some local food or something. But, you know, still you get like the Western menu and a, and a trek. And the tea houses is like way better now. By the way, for everyone listening, a tea house is the hotel. The hotel. Basically, when you're hiking in Nepal, Mm -hmm. you every night you go to a different tea house as you're going up the mountain. Right. Those are your hotels. So you are not ever in a tent on these treks in Nepal. We want to explain that at the beginning. Like, this is every night a different tea house. And you're saying the tea houses are better. Better. And better quality. Quality. Better food than what people expect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's they didn't expect, but yeah, they will get it. So because of that, you're saying you can do like one porter, for one porter two for two people. And yeah. why is that? Because they can sleep better at night in a better quality tea no, house. Or... You don't need to bring so much stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's why, like, one porter will be enough. Okay. For two persons. So you're saying that's 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 the normal. You don't have to bring as many things on this trek as you used to. Oh yeah. When there were, because I, I know in the very distant past it was camping. But mm-hmm. I, you explained to me when we were hiking that it had to do with Maoist rebels from China that were like, when it was camping, it became at one point very dangerous because mm-hmm. the rebels were, this was, I don't know what year this was when this was happening, but they, it used, they used to attack people. 
camping oh, yeah. in the tents. Yeah, that's the things that we have war in Nepal as well. When I was in Kathmandu for university, I was like more interested like to work in a tourism as well. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just looking for opportunities that I, I'm a, I can go to track so I, I know the trail and then yeah definitely i just took a uh, english language course that i have to improve my language yeah also. So you- and then if i go with a trekking like i will be more friendly with the foreigners right so that helps you can and get the things is like yeah guide. like yeah. the difficult is there was a war like a home war in between maoist and the nepal government so not so many tourists and what year was what around what year was this yeah 2002 2003 okay yeah, because the war started in 1995, 96. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like a bad situation in 2002, three or four. And then I feel like kind of like interested on in working in a tourism and it's hard to find. And, you know, I'm not paying attention for my university because I was interested on a work, the focus on the work. You wanted to be a guide. Yes. And then I was like, oh, I don't know. So I was not good in a university and I didn't find easy to work in a tourism. That's how I decided to go out of countries. Oh, right. And then in 2004, I leave Nepal. I went to Dubai to work there and I just continued to work there until 2008. And okay. I Four just decided, years. yes. And then I decided like to go back to Nepal de- because the Maoists came in a peace process, like a make a peace agreement with the Nepal government mm-hmm. and they were in a parliament. So when the news spread over the world, like there's a peace in Nepal means like the tourists will be packed and Nepal is one of the best place for the adventure people. I you think know? so. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like a such a small countries. And it's like landlocked countries, but there's so much things to do. Like people just want to do adventure. There is almost like a lot of things to do. So I thought like, oh, okay, when they came in a peace process means like our tourism sector will get more busier or like get more people coming into Nepal or something. So it'll be easy for me. Mm-hmm. So I just resigned from my job from Dubai and then went back to Nepal and it's still, because I was new, because I didn't do that much trek before I leave Nepal. But some people that I work, they know that because I'm paying attention to do that. So, I mean, like, my, my mental is, like, prepared that I can work in a tourism. Did your English improve when you were in Dubai? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I just got, like, more Hindi as well, like, Indian which is like quite similar with our native language. And yeah, so there's better chance to learn more, like to practice more English in Dubai as well. That's people from Philippines or some other countries that we communicate in English. Mm-hmm. So that helps me to improve. Okay, so you came back to, yeah, and, and there was I, peace I just, in Nepal. Yeah, I just came back and then I tried to visit like few trekking companies to find the job and it's, it wasn't easy because they just asked me like, where did you work? And like, how long you've been in these industries or something? It's like, I can't lie to them because I just back from Dubai and I have done like few tracks in four years back or something. And it's like, people are like, uh, you know, it's a bit hard, but yeah, some of my friends, like my father's friends called Purudakal, 
he runs some sort of hotels and then he helped me and he knew that I am you know a good person to be in a guide or like to be in a mountain or something so he helped me a lot but still it was hard like it took like almost nine months when I back from Dubai that to get the fast track okay yeah so and then even like every companies I go is and like okay we'll give you the tracks but it's not like that we are hiring all the time. So we need to get the feedback from the clients, how you work, how is your language, how is your experience, all those things like, oh, yeah. So, you know, like everyone is looking for like a professional guide. And and you're yeah. starting yeah. still as a porter like, or were you no, trying to be a guide? No, at that no, point? guide. Right I just wanted, yeah, okay. because I did a few times as a porter and, and I knew the places. And then, yeah, my English is like way better than before. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can do. I can guide to the people. I'm, I'm like so exciting. And, you know, so I, I just take like a, um, a Spanish couple at the first that when I back from Dubai and we did like Gorepani Punhill trek for like five days. So two people. Just two people, just a couple. Two people. Yeah. Okay. And then, oh, my God, I can't believe that. And that was my first trick after like four or five years of being away from Nepal, away from the tourism and then things like, oh, they just enjoy their trip. And then you yeah, get like the best reviews. I mean, like. And Gorapani you know, Poonhill, is, is that a five day track? How many yeah, days is that? It's just that? like a five days in a mountain. I mean, like total like nine, ten days, including like two nights in Kathmandu or three nights in Pokhara, which is like, which is known as a like adventure city. Okay. So yeah, so I got like very good recommendation or reviews from the couple from Spain. They're still on my Facebook friends. I just keep talking with them sometimes. Yeah. And then, and then come back. Yeah. And then I just continue. Okay. So I I love that. Yeah. I love that you've got this, like you kind of get a little sense of the background. The first clients give me a, like a positive words to the owner. Yes, and, it, and I found that's very much me, reviews. Yeah, it's that very much that encourages me more to be in a, you know, to be a guide or like you know, a, like more confidence now. Like, oh, okay, yes, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, great. And then, like as you already said, with like your father's friend helping you, this is also very like you know, network connected. And then once you get those good reviews, mm-hmm. it's like word of mouth from your, the people yeah, that have because, been with uh, you. Who because when I met that you. couple uh, who visited to our relays when I was small, like when I was at school level, and they stayed like a few days in our home, like we just walk around the relays and things. But it's still like, just like never knows that there's a mountain on the background from our home. I can just see like a snow with like high peaks and we never knows like it's, we can go up there and then like people come and see for that mountain or those things. But once I went to trek with them in 2000, then I realized how people love that mountain because we just seeing those views every day from our home as you hike a little bit up higher, like top of the hill or something. You know, it's like kind of viewpoint, like every hills you go, you can see like the whole mountain ranges, like Annapurna, Monaslu, one of the highest in the world, Ganesimal, Langtang, you know, those things. And then I feel like how important those mountains are, how people are crazy to just see that mountain that I usually seeing from my home. Yeah. So, yeah, so that means that makes me like, oh, okay, so I can tell them the stories, you know, yeah. 
Awesome. Well, I want to take us, I want to take the listeners now on this journey to Everest Base Camp. So I want to start with asking you if someone is going to Kathmandu and they're preparing to go and start their trek to Everest Base Camp, what do they need? Like what kind of things should they bring with them? Yeah, let's say Everest, what's Everest is one of the highest First highest mountain in the world. And, and let, okay, let yeah. me start by saying something. And, right. and this is how I truly believe. Like, right. I do not advise people to ever, ever climb Mount Everest itself. I don't want you to go to the top of Mount Everest. In my personal opinion, A, it's too dangerous to risk your own life when you have family. Like, I would never want to do it and tell my mom I was doing it and, and have her worrying about me right. and thinking, why are you so selfish to put your life at risk when mm-hmm. you have people that love you back home? Personally, that is how I feel. I never intend to climb Mount mm-hmm. Everest. No, but people Everest have like a different feeling because different. Uh, even some people, it doesn't they don't care about their family, their children, their wife, or like, you know, whatever, if they're like real adventures. And when you are like adventure people, you never think that you're going to die or like that makes you die. So you don't do it. I mean, I know. that is not it's a adjustment. That, it's like, adrenaline okay. junkie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that means like what I say is like, I'm kind of like an adventure person as well. Yes. But if I scare <clears> with like, okay, I'm doing this peak or if I drive up to there, if I flew up there, I might get crashed or I like, might do this. Like people like adventure people, they never think that they're going to die. They can, they can just feel like, like mentally prepare that I'll be survived. I can do it. I will survive. So, so it's kind of like, you know, the accident happens. Yes. Accidentally. I also want to add, yeah. and again, this is my opinion. Right. Listeners, you may disagree with me, but yeah. there are also too many people climbing the mountain these right. days mm-hmm. in the in the peak times when COVID's not affecting anything. Right. And it's not good for the environment. It's not safe because too many people are doing it right now. Oh, yeah. You're leaving a lot of trash up there. There's all kinds of reasons, but this is why we're going to talk about going hiking to Everest Base, Base camp, camp only. That's what we're going to talk about today. Right. Yeah. Also, it's $30,000 or so minimum. More, more than that. Yeah, more that's, than that's that minimum. to climb yeah. Mount Everest. I don't yeah. think people realize how expensive it is. And you're going to drop like so many garbages there, which is really harmful for the nature. You also I need mean, at like, least a know, month. You have to go to train for a month like, to yeah. get used to the altitude, even to do the actual Mount Everest. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making that distinction today. So I want to talk about going to Everest Base Camp. Base camp yeah. How many meters is Everest Base Camp? What is the altitude? Uh, I can go with the meters, right? Like You can go uh, with yes, meters. Like 5,364 yeah. meters. Okay. That's so, the height of like Everest Base Camp. For those who may or may not be aware, that's actually lower than Mount Kilimanjaro, which is another popular hike in the world. And you, you can actually hike to Mount Everest Base Camp. There's no ropes. There's no... Uh, special axes or picks or whatever that you oh, need nothing, to use yeah. like to get there. Like it's just all hiking, hiking, which is yeah. one thing I was attracted to when I went and I heard that. I'm like, okay, if I've never done it, maybe I can achieve it because I don't have all these extra things I need to get there. So you're saying it's 5,364 meters. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's take it back and you're preparing to go. What do you need? What should you bring for this kind of hike? Okay, for so just do every space camp trek, we just need like a hiking boots. Would be better with like very water, important waterproof. Yeah. Or even if it is not, it's okay because as you go higher than three thousand meter, normally it doesn't get rain. 
but somehow like if it gets like snow or something's melting so it's better to have like a waterproof boots and yeah sunglasses sun cream definitely and like kind of like down jacket up to minus 20 or warm like at least clothing yeah, warm so clothing. important yeah warm i was clothing. never colder Oh yeah, yeah. Than when I was up there in the yeah, last few nights. Yeah, it's like warm nights. beanies because it goes up to like we can feel like at night maybe minus twenty twenty five, but in a day if it's like nicer days. Yeah, and if you're like, alone like, like I was, there is no one hugging you at night to keep you warmer. Oh yeah, and there was like <laughs> there like people brought also hot water bottles yeah. as well that they were like warming up by the fire in the tea house. Yeah, you can just fill with, with hot, hot water, water in the bottles, hot, and then yeah. you can just. Hold it. That was that was yeah, actually that a lifesaver. Yeah. So point. so you need like a sleeping bags if you normally scare sleeping with the blankets in a mountain, but still you get like nicer bed at a hotel or the blankets or something. But it's better to have your own sleeping bags. At if, least. if you can bring a very high quality sleeping bag with like you know that's good for very low temperatures, that would be the best. But one thing people who are listening may not know. When you land in Kathmandu, there's an entire section of the city that is kind of where all the, the climbers go. It's called Tamil. Oh, yes, yeah, Tamil. Because and that's the tourist rent. hub yes. in Kathmandu. So everyone who planned to go to Nepal and they landed in Kathmandu, you just go to Tamil. You just get all the Western restaurants, bars, the hotels, and all the trekking gears or the souvenir shop and everything, which is like... You don't need to go anywhere else, like everything in a certain place. So you can buy tunnel. or rent. Yeah, uh, you gear. can you can rent or you can just buy or you can buy the fake one, which is like very cheap. It looks similar, like North Face. We call North Fake as well. So there's like a okay. real North Face store for the same jacket. You just go there, like I think the real North Face is like the same price around the world. Either you, you just go in the US or UK or Australia or Nepal or some other countries, but we get like the North fake, <laughs> which is like way cheaper. I like, mean, that stuff's all, expensive. Yeah. I bought a lot of my gear in Japan before I brought it over. Mm-hmm. And like the sleeping bag alone is like, could be $300, like for oh, the yeah. very good, mm-hmm. like low, low temperature. Yeah, so for one. just to go to every space camp trekking, you can just go there and then walk around for like few hours there's so many different stores that you can go and ask you can find everything there for any kind of trekking in nepal uh, so also it's easy. bring you a headlight walk. i think that's yeah, really important petzl's important. a really good brand yeah. because mm-hmm. you're going to be walking along the trails in the night sometimes in the early morning it's dark yeah and you so normally we just say like okay hiking boots trekking poles and warm woolen beanie or something and gloves and warm jackets, wind, windproof pants. Do you recommend hiking poles? Hiking poles normally, yeah, okay. it's helpful. Like when you go up and down, and like mostly, I found people they have like really bad knees, mm-hmm. which is like really helpful. Now I remember when we were trekking, the three of us, me and Chris and Trista, we were taking pills in the water every day. What? Why would you need to do that? Oh, yeah, because when the people from different parts of the world, even like normally we just drink tap waters there because we're local. So we used to do it every day in our life. So it doesn't make 
big difference for us. Like either you go there and drink like normal tap water or whatever. But for the visitors, they are different part of the world from the different nature, you know, those things. So sometimes it makes people bad when you're drinking you get normal. sick yeah, from people drinking get sick. the water if it's not so, treated so that's how like we recommend people either to have like a sterilizer pen to clean to kill the bacteria or something mm-hmm. or use the pills or still you can you can buy the boiled water which is like similar cost as you buy a mineral water or something you could buy that at the tea houses tea right? houses yeah okay and or you do a mineral water but normally when you do mineral water that the waste comes from it like the plastic bottles and things so it's better to have the pills or a sterilizer pen and just fill the water and you can tap and buy then... those pills in tamil That's yeah what in we tamil even done. in namte or lukla when you flew into lukla or yeah so can, any can... water when we filled it we were just putting the pills in and that none yeah. of us got sick from water i will say they they worked yeah like no problem yeah and then and then for food as well like Normally, they get, like, fresh vegetables. Mm-hmm. And we don't recommend to have meat there because Everest region is already a holy reason. So they don't allow to sacrifice any animals up higher. So the people mm-hmm. from the lower part of the Everest region, they 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 cook, kill the, you know, the axe or, like, you know, the pork or whatever. And they just carry it because there's no proper frozen like freezing things or something there's no refrigeration oh, no, when no, they're nothing. carrying the meat so yeah just to be a vegetarian for every space camp is way better like people sometimes like hey i don't know i want to try like yak steak or something i said like it's better to have in city in Kathmandu or something yeah have the yak yeah in the and, city. Then, and then you know there no way you can you can just when you are eating that you can feel the test and and some of my friends in my guiding life someone like oh i really want to test and and most of them got sick like got like stomach bug or like diarrhea and those things so we don't recommend to have a meat i'll never forget when you told us that you said there's no refrigeration they keep bringing the meat higher and higher and the image in my head was just like I will definitely be one that gets sick. So yeah, I, any any long trek I go on, actually, mm-hmm. I will always be a vegetarian just for that trek. So it's really yeah. Important. Some places like if you go in Annapurna these days, due to like um, electricity and like well transportation and things, like they have got like all freezing things like refrigerator and those things. And you can you can just eat it because it's safe, but in nervous. It's not like that. Just like in a normal temperature, and which is like way different than the temperature in the afternoon and then at night, and which is not good for those meats or something. Yeah. So, and then other things like having vegetarian is like really help for the local economic, the people who grows their potatoes or like some other vegetables from the mm-hmm. local people. So that that's how they can make money or something. Yeah. And that I feel like yeah, is is if you travel somewhere and do something that is really helpful for the local people. Yeah. It was great. I, I actually really enjoyed every time we would get up in the morning, you had these menus at the tea houses and you would choose something for breakfast. They had such a wide menu for breakfast. Oh, like yeah. I remember like pancakes, toast, yeah, toast, eggs, all this stuff. 
And like same was for lunch and for dinner. So you're always continuing hiking. You get to a new tea house for lunch. You only stay at that tea house for the meal. Mm -hmm. And then you continue on. You get to another tea house for dinner. And you that's where you're going to stay for the night. You get your room. And then you have a menu. And it was so much fun to see all these different things. And there's a lot of variety for food, even if you're a vegetarian. Right, yeah. And mm. there's always sometimes like the next tea house has a, a, a thing you've never seen on the menu before and you're all excited. Right, yeah. And mm. you're you knew so much about all the food. That right, was so helpful yeah. to have you there. Yeah. Because I would have been like, what is a Swedish like because they have a um a special like sweet is it Swedish? Swiss roasty? Swiss roasty. This egg. is what I what is a Swiss roasty? Because yeah. I did not you, know what you that You never was. know that like, it's not many and then like like yeah, that's the thing like some things like Sherpa's do. What what kind of food is that? Like, you know. Yeah. Like, if you just like pizza or spaghetti, that people know it's like, okay, pizza's there, but... I mean, that was on the menu yeah, they had pizza. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is a Swiss roasty? If you can just, like, quickly explain uh, it's just like to people. From the potatoes, mostly. You just boil the potatoes and you smash it. And then and then you fry it. Kind of like a fried on a well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fried potato. Yeah. And then, and then you put, like, egg on top. I remember Chris was trying the Swiss roasting when we yeah, would stop in places. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're ready. Let's imagine we chose all this stuff. We're, we're, we got it all in Tamil. Tamil. We're ready to go. Right. A lot of times when you start the trek to Everest Base Camp, you will fly from Kathmandu early in the morning yeah. uh, to a town called Lukla. Lukla. Can you describe for people what this flight is like? No, yeah, yeah. Those people like who really dream doing any trip to Nepal or searching for some other trips, they must Google first or they must see those things about like Lukla flight and people like it's like one of the, the world's dangerous airport in the world. Or, you know, the blah, blah, blah. It's like... Oh, it's, it's like known as the world's most dangerous yeah, airport. Yeah, but, but <laughs> my opinion, I have flown so many times. I did, like, so much tracks to Everest Space Camp. Like, I think I can say now, till now, I, I did, like, more than 60 times to Everest Space Camp track in my whole trekking life. And you're still here. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, flying into Lukla, from my opinion, it's not, like, dangerous. It's, like, kind of, like, adventurous. And it's, like, a scenic flight. Yeah. You just flew over the the hills, like you just see on the left side that all the mountain ranges there, like a Himalayan ranges, all the way from Everest to Annapurna. And if you look out from the right side of the windows, you can see the villages or green lost forests. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful really? and it's like a smooth flight. How many people but, are on the plane? Uh, it was 19. And some of the planes, Only or these are like 14 or 15 people. A few rows. Uh, yeah. By the way, guys, no bathroom on that plane. Oh, I yeah. learned that the hard way when I went because I drank a lot of water because you were telling us every day you need to drink like, what is it, like two liters, three yeah, liters? Like as you go higher than 3,000 meters, at least. And I freaked to- out. Four to five uh, uh, liters a day. Yeah, you said when yeah. we land, we're going to mm-hmm. be at like 2,400 or 2,500. Uh, 28. To 28, so yeah. almost 3,000. And so yeah, I'm like, oh my God, I have to drink all this water. And so right. it hit me on the plane and I was panicking oh, yeah. because it's a 30-minute flight, but, but there is no bathroom on the plane. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it's kind of okay. like a scenic flight <laughs> that I called. And unless like there's a wind... On the way, you just like so smooth, fly, don't yeah. feel anything. But sometimes got like a little turbulence. 
The problem Which is the makes runway. Makes it like a bit scary. The runway is very short. And then once you close to the Lukla Airport, because it's in a valley in between, like two peak. <laughs> we call hill, but that's a mountain. Like which yeah. is about like six thousand meter <laughs> hills. And yeah, runway is definitely like shorter runway. And the drop off at the end of that <sighs> runway is like straight yeah, down then, into the mountain. And then runway is like kindly, like it's not flat. It's like slope. So when you land it. Because it automatically your speeds will be slower because it's like kind of like slow up. So yeah, it's, it's it's like a short runway. So one thing I didn't do, and I want to stop here and tell listeners, is like sometimes if the weather is not right, you can't even fly into Lukla. You will your plane will be delayed by a day, two days, sometimes three days. Yeah, if the weather is bad, I mean even in average reason because the weather gets change very quickly within half an hour or 45 minute one hour because you never know it's like the clouds come in and cover and how quick it goes i can't even believe sometimes so that makes a little change or due to that things i think people think like it's dangerous because it depends on weather yeah. so weather changes quite quickly sometimes you take off from Kathmandu and then like a halfway so it's like oh whether it's bad that you have to turn around or you know those things but it's not dangerous if you're doing like Everest Basecamp Craig or if you're going the higher elevation in a mountain, like flying yeah. into Lukla is not that dangerous as it's public. Okay, as it's publicized oh, like, yeah, public, or it's but like, like you know, yeah. famous for being dangerous. Yeah, so I don't scare or like, you know, sometimes people like yeah, screaming on a plane or like, you know, when you get like a small turbulence because you just feel like it's like a, such a small plane. It's a small plane. You can see the pilot and the co-pilot right oh, in the yeah, front. Yeah, They're holding can, hands to start the plane. Yeah, there's not even a door to close so you can instantly go and look and yeah. So uh, There's no bathroom. Let no me say bathroom. that again. There's no bathroom. Yeah, so, so if, if you used to fly on a plane or something and you must felt that and even enough Boeing like a bigger plane as well like you can feel the turbulence mm-hmm. and that's how like people say it's like plane mates for that one unless the clear weather or like the little wind doesn't make that dangerous the other thing i will say is the same is true when you leave and you finish your trek sometimes you will get stuck in lukla waiting for the flight and good weather to get back to Kathmandu. Yeah, and there's because no normally there will be way, no flights stayed uh, overnight in yeah. Lukla Airport because they need to check every morning, I think. So every time they land it in Lukla, they will just turn around to Kathmandu. So sometimes if the weather is kind of bad, like people have to wait a few days or like they might take a helicopter sometime in sometime even like helicopter couldn't fly if it's like too cloudy or something yeah but that's an expensive option if you want to take the flight or if you have to take the flight um to because you're sick and you have to leave sometimes your insurance might cover it but like generally speaking Mm -hmm. plan and give yourself extra time the things is like yeah if you get like sick or something maybe the insurance cover as you go higher but when you are like almost finish your trek and back down to look a lot and the weather is bad and then you have to take a helicopter or do something. Yeah. Then I I don't think it's cover, but it depends. Like you just make sure that the policies cover if the weather is bad, then you don't get the flight on time or something. So you have to look for another option. Like getting yeah. a I would helicopter say because it's like if the plane cannot go, still helicopter can go, but sometimes both cannot fly. 
if it's right. Deployable. So what I'm trying to say is like people need to plan in there. Don't put your flight from let's say Japan where I came from. Don't fly into Nepal and then expect that everything's going to go on time. Give yourself extra days yeah. in Kathmandu in case something goes wrong and on the other side too. Yeah, like, so at least you can look you can wait for another day for like something better or something. So if you have like extra few days like one or two days extra after your trip yeah that would be like more flexible so but that sometime we you can don't check miss your day at work or something if the weather is like being worse and then we can you can we can do like a day earlier or something try to fly out or you know you have to wait for next day or yeah okay so yeah. once you get to lukla so can you once explain we get like 40 minutes scenic flight to lukla then a real adventure start from there to Everest Fast Camp. So the first day is kind of easy. Like by elevation, we are going lower than Lukla, which is about like three hours hike for normal trekkers. If you go like a little faster, maybe two hours or something, but let's say three hours. No, two, yeah, three hours. And which is like 200 meters, almost lower than Lukla. Mm-hmm. So you can, we can just fly into Lukla and then we can stop for there and then for morning breakfast or something if you fly earlier so you can have breakfast or something and then we continue to the destination and we go to Fagling which is about three hours from Lukla that's really like an easy day for the, the beginning okay three hours yeah, of hiking three hours and you just go lower but it's still there is like kind of like up and downs. That's why we call Nepalese flat. <laughs> There's no flat, but little up, little down. That's, that's what you like to Nepalese say on the flat. track. Yeah. 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 And then once you start hiking, like after one hour or something, that we're going to follow the river called Dutkosi, which has come from Everest West Camp, uh, from Kumbu Glacier mostly, or from Gokyo. It's like a same reason, but when they meet together and become like a Dutkosi, because the water looks like a milky, so it's called like milk river, like Dutkosi. Ah. So almost every day we just following Dutkosi River till Everest West Camp, like to the Kumbu Glacier. Yeah. yeah, you're walking through a lot of villages. You're yeah. walking past people who are carrying really heavy things on their back. They're crossing bridges. There's a oh, lot of bridges to yeah, cross. Yeah, there's so many suspension bridges. The first day we just crossed one. And yeah, next day, definitely f- more five suspension breezes. And everything like they take into Lukla by flight, like every food stuff, like any goods that people need it in the mountains, everything's take there by planes. And afterwards from there, there is a local porters who carried things from Lukla airport to the different villages. And the things is like, you can see people like such a small people, carrying more than 100 kilos on their back. These people were under Yeah, because they get paid by kilos, so they try to carry as much as they can or, like, you know, yeah. So, and then some other option is, like, there's donkeys that you can transport. So you can meet, like, you just see so many donkeys and yaks crossing over in a trail. Yeah, you hear a lot of bells. Oh yeah, passing yak you, bells. All the, all yeah, yaks yeah. and things like that. And mm-hmm. as we were saying, like you stop at these different tea houses along the way. Right. But as you continue, 
as we all know, you're going up. So the altitude starts to really become a problem. Uh, yeah, I think the first day you don't feel that much. But some people like maybe if you've never been that higher, you might feel something different or something weird. Mm-hmm. But usually it's a meter, headache, right? Yes, like you would probably headache. start with a headache. Yes. And I remember you telling us it's really important you drink water every day, like as yeah. much as you can. Two liters, three liters. How, yeah. how many liters? It's like would normally, you say? it says like maximum five liters, so three to five liters a day. That's mm-hmm. really helpful. Yeah, and yeah. I remember it definitely helped us because I was really fortunate. I barely yeah. felt anything. So going up to higher elevation means you have to be always careful with water, and you choose like a right food to eat mm-hmm. because you are like a different part of the walls like you have like different you know uh what you call like body so you don't accept like a tap water or the food or like the taste of the food yeah so you have to be very careful with those things okay and you drink more water walk slow and steady i mean like you can you can go faster i mean like Maybe your feet and then you can just go fast that you can do it. Because I have been there so many times, like I can't go faster because I still get suffer. Mm-hmm. So the things, the rules is like, just go slow and steady, drink more water. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you build in, you build into the days, like there's sometimes rest days where you get to a certain point and the next day you kind of just go up a little bit and then back down. Yeah, that's like, really helpful. I mean, like, when you go higher, we don't we don't just keep continue. I mean, we want to make sure that you are all right. So the things is like the third day is our rest day in Namsi. So first day we just flew in three hours walk to Fakting. We stay overnight there, and next day it's about like it's quite a big jump I think from two thousand six hundred meters to three thousand four hundred meters. So it's like eight hundred meters in a day is like a biggest jump for those people who never been that higher, but it's still. Yeah, that's possible. That mm-hmm. you don't have to be worried. But and you're still not day, so high that it's yeah. like woof, like yeah. So it's still up to three thousand three hundred meters. There's a tree line, so you don't feel that big differences. Like you can see, like so many pine trees and some other trees there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's no lack of oxygen. I mean, uh, so it's like a big jump in the second day. So third day we do. Our rest day, I mean, like acclimatized day, we don't call rest day. Yeah. But still, we do hike higher, like we at least go three, four hundred meters, five hundred meters higher and back down, which is helpful mm-hmm. because you've been higher and then back to sleep lower. So that's, you might only hike on, on a, I'm, like the acclimatization day, day, you might just hike like two hours. Yeah, two, and you go three up, hours. Yeah, and you come down and town. you just you enjoy yeah. the town enjoy where you are. Town. Yeah, yeah. And the Namche is it's like let's talk about Namche. Namche yeah, Bazaar. That, that's one of my favorites. Which everyone's day like, do you when you arrive to Namche? Like what like day of the tour se- is that? Uh, when we trek? start trekking, it's like second day because first day is fucking second day Namche, okay. and we'll be there on third day three also at Namche. You spend the whole you can find all the trekking gears and you know the coffee shop like western coffee shop and the bars the they old, have the irish world pub. Highest, highest irish <laughs> pub in some of the bar where you can see the documentaries and yeah. like a music it's so beautiful and, there and the things like people surprised with the pool table there that people have to carry it oh my god i, yeah. I want to see photos so it's, it's kind of like fancy 
kind of town in it's, the mountains. It's just up a slope. I remember yeah, like you come in on the bottom and you, you have to climb all the way up the top of this this town and then you leave up at the top. Right, right? yeah. So it was from Fagding when we start hiking for the second day is that we still follow the Dutkoshi River. We just back and forth with the river because the trail is like that. So we have to cross so many suspension bridges. And after you just hike like for three to four hours or something, we'll be in a bottom of the Namche Hill. We call like a Hillary Breeze, mm-hmm. where the famous Hillary Breeze is there. And it is start the climbing Namche, which is about like one and a half, two hours uphill. Yeah. And yeah. So we do that hikes and then like almost you have done like maybe halfway to Namche, then you can see if the weather is clear, you can see Everest. Yeah. On your second day hike. It's so special when the fr- that first time you see yeah. so, Everest itself. And then once you reach to Namche Bazaar, yeah. it will just surprise you there, like seeing that kind of like city mm-hmm. on the hills. Oh, with it's all so the buildings magical. And the monasteries, you know, all those prayer things. I just kind of wanted to stay there when I got there. Not because oh, yeah. I was tired, yes. but it's, it was so pretty. It's, it's, it's more than people what they expected. It's yeah. so different. And there's some fancy hotel as well, which is cost over $300, $200 per night or something. Mm-hmm. It's really fancy. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of like a town. Now, I will Somewhere say, in mountain. Yeah. how is the Wi-Fi up there? Because I think some people are, are thinking they have no access or no Wi-Fi when they're No, hiking. you get like a cell phone reception, even in a base camp these days. You get like cell phone reception. But some of the part on a corner, the hills are like, you know, it doesn't get, but mostly places that you get cell phone reception, internet, every two houses. I remember that. Even yeah. when I did this in 2015, almost mm-hmm. every tea house had Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, there was that one city where we were like, okay, hold your phone up at the top of the one corner of the room and you might get one bar, you know. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. nowadays that's probably better than that. Yeah, so. way better. Way better. Yeah. Yeah. So, so doing a respect scam is like all with, we don't even call these days tea houses, hotel there. Oh, you started calling them hotels. Hotel, okay. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's like, Everything is like more than your expectation, but don't don't expect that too high. Like sometimes people like you know say like all <laughs> oh, these things because you know it's like oh no because you get like I say like okay there's like a pizza in a mountain, you know. There's it, different the than table the in pizza the in in the po- <laughs> like in in city in Tamil are there, but it's still pizza is there. Yeah. So yeah, so something you get to see the menu, like you get to choose the main course for food or something. Which is like, people never expect that in a mountain. Let's also talk about hot water. So it gets, as we have already mentioned, very cold. Mm-hmm. So wet, how often do you have access to hot water for a shower? How does Normally that work it's, these it's days? it's so easy these days. And it's like a proper hot shower by solar. Or sometimes they used to do a, a dining heater burning egg poos. Because normally you don't get... To cut the trees Wait, to burn the fire or something, poo? yeah, oh. the actons. Okay. Like they collect the actons, they dry it, and then and then they burn in a, like a, a metal. What do you call with like a, a drum, like, like, like a, a metal drum, or oh yeah, so like a metal drum or something. And they they fix the like a pipe, water pipe, inside it. Like when you burn it, like it heats. You give heat on the dining table, mm-hmm. and then the pipe get 
hot so the water runs through there so you get like hot shower but these days there is a solar hot or electronic hot water as well so do every you day still if you need want, to pay sometimes for a hot water because uh, i remember a hot shower i had to pay like some of the places up to namche you don't have to pay now up to namche oh uh, yeah to pay. so as you go higher than namche uh then you have to pay because when they don't have electricity or they don't have like a big solar or something because they the, the hot shower run by the gas geyser so you have to pay about like five dollar at least in cash right yeah they don't yeah. really accept credit cards no, there. no okay no. i'm trying to paint like a very clear picture for everybody because these are all these things you don't expect you don't expect a pool table in an irish pub but also oh, yeah. maybe you expect you can get mm-hmm. a, sh- a hot shower and right, sometimes yeah. you gotta pay yeah. for it so, so it's easier like to charge your cell phone or like charging your batteries and things and internet is so easier these days and hot shower like yeah everywhere so for uh, for our trek, I'll never forget, we went up the mountain, including two acclimatization days for nine days. On the ninth day, we reached Everest Base Camp. And uh, then it was three days down. Um, I think eight, day eight, we reached Base Camp. Okay. Yeah. So three days down. Because normally when you go higher, we have to be very careful with the high altitude sickness. This is the next thing we're yeah, going to so ask Yeah, so that's you. how we do how... Like We just go like very slow and steady. And we need acclimatized days. Like, see how your body feelings and, like, we just want to make sure that you can continue, like, more higher or something. So, yeah, that's the best ideas. I know we were yeah. the fastest group so of people. So, we just go slow and steady till to base camp. And once you made it to base camp, it's coming down with the same route. So, that's nothing new. So, we're just taking the same route down. So we can we can just do in a three days back to Lugla. And so. that is one thing about Everest Base Camp Trek that some people don't like is that, oh, there's nothing new on the way down. I'm just retracing my steps. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was so fine. So that's, that's much like some people but, like, oh, we're going the same way. That's like, um, I might I might fly out. Like some people, they just get a helicopter back. Or some I, people, they just want to do like, oh, I'm not cheating. Like I'm, I'm just going to walk down. So yeah, it depends on the people. I wanted to finish oh, no, no, no. what I started, yeah. so I was like, normally, like people. Uh, that's how, like, sometimes we we if we go some other routes that you start from one point, ended up to the another point. Like while you hiking, we just make there like, oh, you stop and turn around, look back as well, because you're gonna miss this because we're not coming back this way. But if you go Everest, like you don't have to turn around because you don't have to look back because when you come down, you're gonna see all those things. Okay, and yeah. this, it's nice because, for example, Namche, you come back to Namche and you're like, Namche was so nice. Like, I can't, I'm so happy to be back. And I feel accomplished because I'm already coming from what I was planning to do. Right, yeah. Which is reach the camp. Yeah, so once we reach to Namche, it's kind of like Tamil that you walk around. There are like all those ATM machines, like coffee shop, trekking shop, like pharmacies, and, you know, yeah, all those things. And then, yeah, next day, there's a, an extra day for acclimatize that we go up to Everest Hotel, which is about like 400 meters higher than Namsi Bazaar, mm-hmm. which is one of the old highest hotel in the world. That's like a five-star hotel at the top of the hill. Yeah. So normally, not everyone goes all the way up there, but the people try to go up there because we don't, we don't make them like a hard working for the rest day, but still we take them a bit higher. Mm-hmm. Then we sleep, but some people like we just 
yeah, just go to the first viewpoint with the like National Park Museum or something. Yeah. And then turn around, just make it an easy day or something. Or some people like, oh, really want to go there? Like we just go FSP like 400 meters higher and spend there, have a cup of tea or something, which is like has very nice balcony. So you can, you can just go into there and then order some tea or coffee or something and enjoy the scenery and then turn around. Normally that's what we do and back. And then we continue next day to... Tengboche, where one of the oldest monasteries in the region, or we just continue to a little more further up to Pengboche. I think we did Pengboche. Mm-hmm. So what we do Pengboche is it's a little further because we had like a kind of rest day at Namche. So next day it's gonna be like little bigger days. We we just climb a little at the beginning and goes like a flat for an hour or something, and then we go descend down to like 3,200 meters because we climb up to 3,700 meters and almost, you know, no, 3,500 3, meters. So 100 meters higher and then and then another 300 meters down to the river and cross the river. And then we have to climb another hill to Pangbo, no, Tengbose, mm-hmm. which is about 3,870 meters. So sometime we just stay there or we might, push a little bit more to the next town called Pangwazi, which is about one and a half hour, two hours further. Make it easier for next day to Dengwazi because we got like one extra days. Mm-hmm. Acclimatization the, yeah. in Dengwazi. Uh, so yeah, so if we reach the day earlier and then we can do some more laundry that we did and the next day we're going to do like some hikes as well. So so after Namche acclimatization day next day, sometimes we do like a bigger days and make it another shorter days and have like shower and laundries at Tengbo, say, and 4,400 meters. And then next day, it's still like, we got extra days that we can do some side hikes. There's so many options. Either you go to Tuas Island Peak, which is quite famous for peak climbing, which is 6,189 meters. That's Much that. higher than ever space camp, oh, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or just do some other hikes nearby or like go up to Chukung. It's called another village or something. So this is for people that want to do a longer trek. Like we did not do that. We went just on to Everest Base Camp and came back the same right, way. Yeah. But yeah, if you have more time, this sounds amazing. Yeah, a that's great true. opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and and as you said, doing laundry, like it's very important to not pack too much in your pack. Right. So, yeah. so if you can do your laundry. Yeah, so it's, it's like really your t shirt, like, you know, the socks or whatever you can just do by yourself and then yeah, dry yeah. it by next day. Now, how, what is the average, like, rate of people reaching Everest Base Camp? Because you mentioned to me once you had a group of 25 and only nine of them made it to Everest Base Camp. Uh, no, uh, only for that group, like, I think nine out of 25 made it to Base Camp. But normally, I would say it's like at least 10% people will not make it. Like, they got, like, sick or something. They okay. have to turn around. Uh, let's say 10 to 15 percent people got sick now you also told me it no matter how much you hike this route you never know when altitude sickness can hit you it can hit you it can hit people that do it all the time and that shocked me because i thought oh you're just used to it you're always up there no the things is like i can't ignore the mountain rules like how you go to the mountain i have been there it's not like that like i have been there so many times or I've been higher, I did peak climbing or something, but it still need to be slow and steady. Mm-hmm. So if I say like, okay, I have done that, 
so many times that so I can go like all the way from Namsi to somewhere like way higher or I can go faster. No, I don't do that. Or I don't recommend to do like to any of those people who have been higher or, you know, stronger or whatever. In a you way, it's like, like scuba diving a little bit. Like, you know, there's it's not as dangerous as scuba diving to go up to the surface quickly, but you have to go slow and do it at the right pace so you don't get hurt. You don't hurt your body. Yeah, that's true. But it's, it's the of same course, yeah. not exactly the same, right. but it's yeah. if you want to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, lots of water as well. Drink lots and lots of water. Right, yeah. Um, and can you describe what it's like to reach Everest Space Camp? What does it kind of look like up there? Oh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's like a glacier from... Uh, Everest, like there's a, like a valley in between Everest and Anupse is because Everest base camp is way far from the Everest. Mm-hmm. You, you have been there. So it's not like Everest there and then at the base camp is like just below Everest because there's a valley which is called like a Kumbu Icefall. So it's kind of like a, one of the biggest glacier in Nepal. Uh, so it's kind of like the the glacier, the Kumbu Icefall, coming to base camp and turn into Kumbu Glacier. It's called like River of Ice as well. So it's kind of like a glacier. So they build the base camp up there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's different. Like I mean, it's beautiful. It's like kind of like a flat glacier with like ice, rocks, sands, everything. So you can you can just like, you know, uh, you can feel the movement of the ice, which makes uh, changes the shape of base camp all the time. Because sometimes it just melted, it goes down, or sometimes you get like more frozen in winter, so it just comes up because when the water gets frozen, the volumes increase. So I think because of that movements, the rocks and sand is like always looks like a fresh like like you know just digging by someone or like you know the tending the safe or something i will i will yeah. also say because this surprised me when i was there right. it's only in april and may that you see the tents there of people oh yeah the main, to main climb climbing season is like uh a may mostly people summit on may but they have to build the base camp from the mars so people just go up there and then you know the people do like more hiking before they go to summit so, so there's a bunch of tents yeah where so they're hanging tents. out so they can go there and then turn around and like so most of these settlements like the tents they prepare in the march okay so the people climbers can go spend their day or something or a few days there and then turn back or something so and that's so, the only time of the year where you yeah. have the tents and the base there yeah so from we march in to end of may so. and once you finish everything like they have to turn around and then they remove every tent. There will be nothing. Okay. So and September, October, yeah. it's another popular time yeah. to hike, but there's no tents there. Uh, in October, there will be like a few groups every year, not busy as in March, April or May, but there will be like more hikers. It's like one of the best time as well okay. for hikers, but not, the best for summiting Everest, but it's still some people they want to do. Yeah, what time uh, like, of like year should you years, not like go? Like October, 
Because uh, I remember you told me August is like the end of the monsoon season. And in uh, monsoon, it's not clear views. Okay. the the We have like a normally four season. Winter, that's like December, January, February. It get like really cold. But I will say it's a good to do. If you are like okay with, with the freezing cold. Oh Even your water bottle you holding in your backpack <laughs> will be get frozen. Ugh. If you have like a camel bag or something, just get frozen. You can suck the water. Uh, so, but if you want to see the the views, that winter is still is good. Is Lukla okay? Is that flight to Lukla yeah. fine in the winter? Yeah. Okay. It's okay. So it's only the things is like everything get colder. Even from Lukla, you can get ice. Okay, Some that's what I'm worried the about. Places with in the trail. Uh, must be like icy, like slippery, but you have to be careful. But it's still it's nice in the winter. So and spring, March, April, May, mm-hmm. the best. It'll be so crowded, so many people, all the climbing peaks and Everest. So most people, like so many people, are dying. So you can feel the the rust. In a mountain lake. All the tea houses are full. full. You get meet a lot of different groups of people. Yeah, that's the best time. Or if you want to like to do like maybe a little less crowd or something, either early Mars in the February, early Mars, it's nicer, it's Mm -hmm. a bit warmer, or in the May, early June. But June, July, August is summer in Nepal. And it's really hot, but it's raining in Nepal so mostly get clouds and rain so there will be no flight to Lugla okay you can you can do that no hiking. so June July <laughs> August I think I can say like almost zero and and you don't want to go up there if you can't see the mountains I yeah, learned that yeah. when I was looking yeah. at even Africa. like you, you you don't get chance to fly into Lugla maybe some days but you never know like when so it's like rain in Kathmandu every day or even in Lukla. But as you go higher, it doesn't get rain, but it's still it's hard to get into Lukla as well. So June, July, August, summer, it's a raining season. So you never plan to do any trip to Nepal. I don't recommend. Okay. Yeah. So September, October, November is an atom. Is one of the best even you can, we have like a festive season, like festival in Nepal, like Hindus festival. We have like a three biggest festival in that three months. So you can enjoy the festival, local festival. Even you are in Kathmandu or you go in a mountain, you can just feel it. And the weather is nicer, but not nicer. I mean, like not warmer than in spring. Okay. What if you had to choose one season? Which yeah. season so would you go? So it would be like go? a little less crowd. There will be like not sure. Uh, some year there will be like a few tents and a base camp. Like people are still trying to summit, but they don't long last. Like I mean, not for a long time. They just fix and they summit and then they turn around. Would you say spring is the best time to go? Yeah. And trek yeah. to Everest Base Camp. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. May? But if you like try to skip like little more crowds means. September, October, November are still good. Okay. But by the end of November, December, January, February is winter in Nepal. It'll be so cold everywhere. Everything gets frozen. Even you're carrying your water bottle, but 
my experience is winter if you want to see the sunset view when the sun goes down to the west and get like the sunlight to the high mountains looks like a golden mountains i got some best picture of that oh, wow. i have done a few times but it would be like very difficult little weather like your toes are tingling you don't feel like fingers you know it's so cold i mean but i was already that, cold in the yeah in the but, know, september it was mm-hmm. freezing when you get to like to a certain point in altitude it's right. just at night mm-hmm. it's so cold it's only like with the freezing cold it goes like minus 30, 35 degrees. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's really cold, either day or night, whatever. Well, thank you for giving us this really detailed idea of right. what it's like to climb to Everspace Camp. Right. I will say to listeners, it's it's an unbelievable experience and you feel such an achievement if you go slow and steady, you drink water, mm-hmm. and your body is kind to you on this journey. It's mm-hmm. going to be one of the most unforgettable trips of a lifetime for you and that's why i wanted to give so much time to it today in this episode what kind of people have have been on this have you guided on this journey i feel like really interesting people we talked about adventure junkies and people that love adrenaline they end up doing these trips do you have any like particular people you met on this on these treks that really stand out to you or uh no people means like you know Doing a space camp or planning to do a space camp is like mostly those people who really love adventure. And maybe somehow like some people, maybe they don't like really interested to do or like due to their friends or like families, the people, they just want to just go, but it's not on their mind, like just to do it. So sometimes I just found some people is like, you know, they're just reading books and like, you know, into checking on the internet, you know, the, all those people, how people got sick, how many people died on Everest summit and those things all makes a bit worse with them. And they're like, kind of like, ah, nah, I'm like, it's not my idea to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm rather stay here. So once you just make it to best coming back, like I met like kind of people that, they scared or like this just think too much what's going on or what's happened or you know like you can you can just read so many news about that people got sick and like you can see like so many helicopters just flying in and out and like yeah so and the helicopters actually can rescue you all the way up to ever space camp like yeah. at any point you can call yeah even they can, they can like come, they have landed a few you. times in camp two and camp three as well Okay, yeah, over even like higher 6, than base meter. camp. Yeah, yes. but like, it's like so easy up to like base camp. They can just land and you can just fly out. Like, and the way altitude sickness works is as soon as you get down any like lower than where you are, you you quickly start to recover as long as you're not too far yes. oxygen depleted. If, by if that like point. if you notice that you're getting like altitude sickness or like the like you know symptoms. And I mean, like, getting symptoms means not, like, everyone get worse, but sometimes it just comes and goes. You can just feel it, and you just you just do it. Or some people, like, maybe they still, like, it just comes and goes, and some point they get, like, really bad or something. Your stomach might really be hurting you, or you're really getting a terrible headache. Yes, you're feeling like dizzy. Dizziness, like... Just weakness. Headache, or, like, 
vomiting. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's the worst things. And then the people is like, kind of like they don't want to eat any food. They feel like oh, I'm still kind of like feeling I'm I'm full, so I don't want to give meal or like you know that's kind of like symptoms. But in my case, it's like I have experienced that different people like sometimes just headaches. It's normally people get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not could like, be because you don't drink yeah. enough water yeah or well. like the cold wind or like you know yeah even like you go higher get like but it just headache is like normal like most people get it and it just comes and goes will be fine i think when i was up there like there there is such a difference between listening to your fear and listening to your body because you could just get afraid that you are going to get sick but you're not really sick yet so it's tough it's tough you got to really listen to yourself right and your mind and see Mm -hmm. if you should keep going right not yeah so yeah i mean like normally when you get like the normal symptoms like headache sometimes dizziness or kind of like stomach you get like kind of like pain on your stomach as well still that would be okay Mm -hmm. but we don't force like okay, we can go up to our destination or something. So, or like we just stop there and then see how you feel in a few hours, or we just stay overnight or something. And then if it's okay, or it still like just comes and goes. Like people like uh, I got like really bad and like resting for an hour or two hours or something, and then they feel fine. I mean that happens to most of people, but if it is getting worse with like vomiting and things like you have to turn around and yes it is like so worse in the mountain like headache fever and like vomiting those things once you just quickly down in a in a few hours even if you don't go to hospital or whatever you feel fine yeah it's amazing how quickly it everything is cleared up that's what i had an experience with like a, a guy like a boy from portland oregon he was like I think 12, I don't remember, like 12 or 14. And he came with his auntie, like, doing trip together. They did Annapurna Base Camp, fully fine, the boy. And his auntie got sick. About, like, uh, 3,000 meters. Oh, it's not and even that And in the next year, they came to do Everest Base Camp, the boy got sick, like really bad in Lobuze because until then it was fine and he got like really bad sick. Like it was late night. I can't do anything. I have to just stay overnight and and we have to fly out next day. And but his auntie was perfect, fine because she got sick at Annapurna Base Camp, not even reaching Annapurna Base Camp, like below three thousand meters. And to Everest, but the boy last time, he was fine to Annapurna Base Camp, which is 4,130 meters. He was absolutely fine. And that's why, like, you never know when and where you get altitude sickness. It doesn't matter that you've been there so many times or, like, you know, those things. But he was, like, kind of bad. And then I was like, wow. Uh, can't do anything at night. I just gave him like some soup and like more water and we sleep in a one room with like extra mattresses and things. And the next day we 
we called helicopter, we flew back to Lukla and then take another helicopter back to Kathmandu. He was still vomiting enough helicopters. Oh. And we were just back to Kathmandu and like they were so worried. They called to US and they want to just go back to US and check up and everything. I said like, hey, you just wait, just relax for an hour or something. Then if you want to change your flight or you just want to do anything, we'll do that first. Go and relax. And then he went to the hotel room and then rest for like one and a half hour or something. And then he wake up. I think he just, he just texted me that, hurry, I'm not changing my flight. I'm totally fine. Let's do something else. What, what we can do in a few days because we came earlier. It's like, even he didn't want to go to hospital. He was like absolutely fine. Because so, going so, down really yeah, does clear like, your symptoms yeah, so, so quickly. Usually. So you just go down quicker. Mm-hmm. We'll be fine. Then we did like Chiton National Park for a few days there. This is what I, I did want to ask you. So we've we've covered the the major points of going to Everest Base Camp. Then mm-hmm. we know it's the same way back down. Right. But what are some other things you can do in Nepal if you want to extend your trip or if you want to do something different? Yeah. No, I mean, like there's so many things to do in Nepal. And that's why we call like we have a tourism slogan. Naturally, Nepal once is not enough. So people have to even go back a few times to do like something different. But when you do like one big trip to the high mountains and back and you get like some extra days that you want to just hang around or like see something different, then the one is like, you know, Chiton National Park to see animals, the culture, you know, it's what animals one of the best. can you see? Like you can see... The main things is like the one hundred rhinos, the mm. globally threatened animals, I think. Yeah, so you can see rhinos, sometimes tigers, elephants, deers. Yeah. By the way, I, I did go to Chitwan National Park on mm-hmm. another trip and yeah, they say get down from the Jeep and you're walking and there's the rhino right. with the mother with its baby, and I'm like <laughs> We need to get back in the the jeep. Like this is not a good idea. And, right. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty wild. It's yeah. pretty uh, natural. No, because uh, that's a different part. Even in a Chitam National Park, it's called Shauraha, which is like more famous. So it's like more tourists on it. So due to more crowd, it's hard to see the tigers or some other animals there because it's so crowded every day. A lot of people visit there, mm-hmm. and this is how we go to the west part of the national park, which is like so easy to see the rhinos and. It's more chances to see the tiger as well. What is the name? My friend went to Nepal and saw tigers, but he went further. Bardia, Bardia National Park, okay. which is quite far. That's I mean, like exactly you need more days went. there, yeah. and it's like a long drive or something, and like more expensive. But still, you can do like that's hundred percent chance to see tigers. I would. That is that's a dream for yeah. me to. That sounds so amazing. Yeah. So yeah, the closure from Kathmandu is uh, cheaper and it's nicer mm-hmm. to be in. Chiton National Park. You can see so many species of birds there and wild animals and the tower culture. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. And so you've, for you've a few mentioned days, Annapurna a few times. That's another mountain range in yeah. Nepal where you can do a yeah, whole Yeah, because circuit. Annapurna is more famous than Everest before. When, like, it's like an easy access from Kathmandu when you fly into Kathmandu because that's only one international airport. And mm-hmm. only it's like they build the airport in Lukla, 
it is a way longer to do aerospace camp from Kathmandu because mm-hmm. you have to just drive a little bit for five hours and then you have to walk all the way to Lukla means it's way longer. So the people started like trekking from Annapurna first because it's easy access. You just drive like five, six hours and you can just start. That's the same thing still they're doing. But you can you can just drive higher now because they built road almost like the whole circuit. So yeah. people just don't want that's not a good idea. It's like it's like it's nature. It's like the one of the best hiking in the world and they build road and there's no any alternative routes to do that. Annapurna has become so much less scenic because of your trekking on a road. Yeah. Now, a lot yeah, more so of it there's is just so road. many zips. Whereas Everest Base Camp down. is still, it's still away, away from, from the, the road. road. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like it's still more naturally and, and it's, it's the best to hike. You also it do like whitewater rafting. You can go to Yeah, hot we do springs. hot, like whitewater rafting. Like for beginners, there's one close to Kathmandu called Trisuli River Rafting, where you can you can just do it like it's easy. I mean, not that hard, but if you want to do like more strong, you can do like Botekosi River Rafting, or you can go like, if you want to go like more camping and mm-hmm. like kind of like a fishing or something and do like rafting, you have to go very east part of Nepal, it's called Seti. Okay. Or Mahakali River or something, so. You were also mentioning their zip lining. They're, oh, do, yeah. they're almost done yes. with the longest zip so line in the, the world. One, yeah. So when you do like Annapurna or some other tracks in Annapurna region, it ended up to Apokhara. That's the second a biggest city we can call in a hilly region. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like we call adventure city. And it's beautiful. You know it. Like it's a lake nearby the city. And the mountain on the background, and it is one of the best place for paragliding. Oh, wow. And, yeah, ultra light flights. Um, I really yeah. love Pokhara. I think Pokhara is yeah. such a So they have, like, a, a small nice bungee jump there, like, zip lining. But if you want to do, like, a biggest one, it's the, that's the second highest in the world, which is built close to, Katmana, close to Pokhara, which is about, like, two hours drive or something. I think Poker is a great base city yeah. as well. It's it's prettier than Kathmandu. It's not yeah. as big. So those things is like, you can you can just go to uh, Kusma, mm-hmm. which is about like two, two and a half hour drive or like three hours drive. It depends like how you drive. And then there's like a bungee jump. That's the second highest, even yeah, the first highest in Nepal. And sky cycling, the old highest swing, Wow. And 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 the zip lining is, is still under construction, I think. It's almost ready to now by now, I think. And it's like one point five uh, one point four kilometers. So long. long. Wow, yeah. you said the longest in the world. Yeah. It will be. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it's like if you want to do like some other adventure, you can do that or you wanna to go to mountain. And there's beautiful we have, like, monasteries throughout. So many different trekking roads. Yes. So even some people like, hey, what's the best? Like I'm, I'm like first time I'm coming to Nepal. I heard like maybe people think about like when they check, they they can find a different trekking routes or like which is still famous. You know, people you did every space camp. You were like recommend, oh, every space camp we go if you do on a base camp. So like on a base camp or like if you do on a circuit. 
it was like oh no no circuit monaslu lang tang and and you never knows like you know people all what they did is like they just telling that their stories and then you know sceneries and things so sometimes it's hard myself that that oh you can you can just do this one is the best i mean like you know it's all good like i mean it's all not to be missed i mean yeah yeah so it's like it's addictive actually yeah. if so you are like if you are like a little bit scared with like going high altitude at the beginning i will tell them like anapurna base camp because it goes up to 4000 meter mm-hmm. so it's like almost 1300 meters lower than a rest base camp but i i'm like it's it's hard for me as well like it's it's totally different is freaking rude and it's all beautiful I think so. There is no point that compare to one to another trek that because of these this one is more better due to this this is still beautiful and there's nothing that okay this is best. Yeah, Everest Base Camp is just like such an iconic one that we talked yeah, about. Yeah, because because Everest Base Camp it. is like more famous because people know Everest is the old highest mountain mm-hmm. top of the world. So they feel like more proud that oh I have been to Everest Base Camp, but if you compare with like sceneries or the culture, the people, those things, you cannot like say that okay this is the best or you know you should do first this one or this one. Everything's beautiful. Everything is beautiful. Yeah. Well, what is so interesting about you is that since I met you in 2015, you did start your own trekking company. What is mm-hmm. the name of your trekking company? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Uh yeah, uh, at the beginning I want just be a trekking guide or things like, you know, I have to struggle, I have to keep trekking with like different companies. You know, it's kind of like part of my like, you know, it's how you start or something. Yeah, yeah. you got to work your way yeah, up. Yeah, so Uh in 2016 I had like some problem like right after the earthquake what that happened because I don't want to mention all the things here yeah. now I think Th- like yeah I just work with the companies mm-hmm. uh, I got like problems mm-hmm. with, with, with the I companies. think you wanted to yeah. work for yourself yeah, in the yeah. end and then after... and then I got like enough friends that everyone's like oh you should do your own trekking companies then they're like oh we will help you know what do you need like we will tell to our friends or like you know we'll say good things about you or something and I'm almost ready to do my own companies as well mm-hmm. so i started in 2016 it's called himalayan trekking alliance okay and that's also your instagram name right himalayan oh, yeah. it's trekking my, alliance so, yeah so himalayan trekking alliance on my instagram and i have a website that called himalayan trekking alliance.com Okay, is that the which which one is the best place to reach your company? If you if somebody wanted to hire you or your company to take mm, them Yeah, you can the like it depends like uh, even you can go through my website mm-hmm. or you can just text into my Instagram called Himalayan Trekking Alliance. You can see all those pictures that I took myself sometimes. Yes. Like mostly pictures. You're yeah, a good like photographer as well. Experience there. or you can like people just can connect with my Facebook as well. Okay. It's called like BN space Bohara. 
And we, um, it's I'll my nickname on, the, on a bracket called Hari as well. I'll also put that on the schooloftravels.com so everybody can find all of these links. I'll yeah, put them there. Yeah. So for like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, either you just go through the Facebook. Uh, it's still got like Facebook page called Himalayan Trekking Alliance as well. Mm-hmm. Or you just go through um, our website called Himalayan Trekking Alliance. Yeah, we're on TripAdvisor as well. Yeah. Or like Instagram. That's what I do. Yeah. And mm. so it's really, what's really interesting is that you're still sometimes, you don't do every trek through your company, right. but you are still going to Nepal from Portugal. So the craziest thing about meeting you in 2015 and having you be my guide is that eventually, separately, we both decided to get residence visas in Portugal. Right. So <clears throat> that's where we are now. We're able to have this interview yeah. is that we live in different parts of Portugal, but right. we're able to like sometimes yeah, the like, things hey. is like, yeah, it's <laughs> like we never talk about it and we never plans and the things just happen. Yeah. And it's almost in the same time. Yeah, you that came we in 2019. Here, really yeah, I came nice. a year later. It's a pleasure to see you yes, here yeah. in Portugal. I never would have thought. I'm telling you about these stories. Yeah. And it's, about it's really the cool. Trip in Nepal. Yeah. And I know, like, thank I you think for it's giving cool. this time to me to explain to you about these trips. Yeah. And, and yeah. people, you will still sometimes when you can get off of work in Portugal, you will go to Nepal. See, definitely. Definitely. See family because I'm and, mostly and getting uh, clients be- due to my clients recommendation and things like mostly people like, Hey, someone like you want to go there. And like, people are actually like, Hey, hurry. You want, I want you to be there as a guide. So when, because they are not like, saying that what time of year they're doing, but there's like, uh, what time of year you're free or you can guide us. So for those people, like, I, I still try like to guide like most of the people. I'm still like, not like I'm, I'm a boss. I have companies that I just work in office because I love being in a mountain with the people, like yeah. sharing things, talking about the, the culture and those things and like sharing experience, like, meeting people from the different part of the world. So I'd rather go to mountain instead of like staying in our fish or something. But yeah, so I love that. I could really feel that when I was yeah. trekking so, with you. So you unless it. I can manage the time and everything, because right after COVID, we don't get like enough business. Mm-hmm. So I'm just here. Or if you got like, it's like a seasonal work in Nepal, like I told you, like that's two best season to do trekking in Nepal. So whenever people when I visit Nepal that I can I can go work there for whole season and then I can come back here. I can find like extra like a part time job here as well. So mm-hmm. I can I just work here and then for next season I still can go there. Okay. And yeah. Nepal is now open again after COVID. Oh right? yeah. It's, it's, it's open like, for everybody. It's open for everybody. Are there, I don't know if you know, uh, like, are there tests like, to get in? Uh, or, this this doesn't change don't need by the time test, we air. <laughs> yeah. If you're like a vaccinated, mm-hmm. full vaccinated, yeah, then it's okay. And you get like visas on arrival. Check for the visas as well, yeah. because those like are always changing for different countries. Mm-hmm. Nepal is well, a Nepal is like, uh, like a on arrival visa. Yes, so once you land it, and then you can, you can just get visas. Yeah, yeah but it, mm-hmm. like you said, it's on arrival. It's not like you have to go to an embassy beforehand uh, and no. get it. But mm. yeah, I think things are always changing based on your country. So just right. double check that mm-hmm. before you go in. Right. Um, 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your story You're with really me, welcome. Hari. Yeah. I mean, Nepal, as we said, it's a magical country. Once you go, I guarantee you, yeah. you probably want to go back, even if you don't end up doing it. It's mm-hmm. like it's in your heart. Right. It's, it's definitely sometimes people is, still never knows that Nepal. Oh, they never knows, but they they knows Everest. Mm-hmm. And I found like people like things like because we are in between the two biggest countries by power or by you know. You know, the by areas and whatever, China like and North India. China, <laughs> East, West, and South in India, and the people thinks like, oh, Nepal, is it like a a different country or is it like part of India or something? But we are like a small hidden adventure land. <laughs> yeah, adventure <laughs> like land. so beautiful yeah. natural scenery. Right. Yeah. And so I hope that by people listening to this, and now that the world is opening again, right, Nepal is open for business. Come yes. and experience you can travel, an adventure. You can just, yeah, you can just like everything's like as normal before. Yeah, and yeah. and listeners, as I said, I'm going to put all the links to Hari's company and these things he's mentioned on the schooloftravels.com. And we hope you can get to Nepal. And we hope if it's been on your dream list, your bucket list for a long time, that finally now you're going to be mm-hmm. able to do it. And until we come back again, listeners, I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world. Living in this perfect world. Everyone can ride a